Section 3 of Safeguarding Children, Pediatric Medical Countermeasure Research by Presidential Commission for the Study of Bioethical Issues. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Patrick McAfee, Merritt Island. Chapter 2. Current Ethical and Regulatory Framework for Pediatric Research, Part 1. Pediatric research is essential to ensure that children have access to therapies that are safe and effective. Quote, children are not just small adults, end quote. They vary substantially from adults and from other children of different ages in the ways they process medicines, respond to interventions, interact with their environment. Drug effects and toxicities as well as immune responses to vaccines, are affected by the rapid growth and development in body size, weight, and organ function, as well as the metabolic processes that characterize childhood. Children behave differently from adults as well. For example, they generally spend more time outdoors and put objects in their mouths when they are young, increasing their exposure to some environmental contaminants. Given these differences, without specific data from pediatric research, healthcare providers often have inadequate information to accurately estimate dosages, formulations, and treatment regimens. The pharmaceutical industry historically has had little incentive to conduct systematic clinical trials with children, even when those trials could have been conducted with minimal risk to individual children, because childhood is relatively short and most children are healthy. The market for pediatric pharmaceuticals and other medical products is small and subdivided by stages of development, often making it difficult to enroll adequate numbers of appropriate participants necessary for rigorous trials. As of 1997, studies showed that up to 80% of the drugs used by children had never been studied in pediatric populations for safety, dosing, or efficacy. Beginning in the late 1990s, out of concern for protecting children through research rather than from research, Congress passed a series of laws to remedy the paucity of pediatric data by creating incentives for ethically sound pediatric clinical research. This legislation, including the Best Pharmaceuticals for Children Act of 2002 and the Pediatric Research Equity Act of 2003, provided extended market exclusivity for products tested with children and enabled the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, FDA, to request drug and biologic testing with pediatric populations. These incentive programs have spurred pediatric research and provided data that contributed to an approximately 50% reduction in off-label use of drugs for children. This is a vast improvement from the recent past, although the rate of off-label use still remains high. 
Historical Research Abuses A convergence of research abuses influenced the move toward regulatory human subjects research protections developed in part by the National Commission in the 1970s and enacted by the Department of Health, Education, and Welfare, now HHS, in the late 1970s and early 1980s. Research abuses, including well-known cases such as Willowbrook, Tuskegee, and the Nazi atrocities, were historically important in moving toward regulation. Henry Beecher's publication of an article in the New England Journal of Medicine, which exposed 22 cases of human experimentation abuses, also motivated human subjects' research regulation. Among the cases included in Beecher's publication was the Willowbrook study, research conducted with institutionalized and mentally handicapped children. The current ethical and regulatory framework has proven largely capable of protecting children in the face of increasing pediatric research, promoting their welfare, and enhancing research quality. Medical countermeasure, MCM research, however, presents unique ethical challenges to the existing regulatory framework. This chapter provides an overview of the ethical and regulatory framework for pediatric research. It begins with an overview of the ethical principles that form the foundation of current federal regulations governing pediatric research and concludes with a discussion of how those fundamental principles animated the development and adoption of pediatric research protections. Ethical Underpinnings Guiding Principles A core set of ethical principles provides the foundation for pediatric research protections. Reflecting a consensus on the ethical conduct of human subjects' research, these ethical principles are drawn from the National Commission for the Protection of Human Subjects of Biomedical and Behavioral Researches, the National Commission's Belmont Report, and furthered by democratic deliberation, which the National Commission and subsequent commissions practiced in their work, and this Bioethics Commission explicitly adds as a critical principle for publicly accountable decision-making. In research involving children, the National Commission emphasized the importance of including children in research to interrupt what had become a long history of untested and harmful pediatric innovations. The National Commission recognized that in addition to protecting children from research risks, society ought to protect children through research. This need to ensure the safety of children was grounded in respect for persons and the inability of children to consent to research-related risks. The National Commission's report clarified what became the United States' central tenet of pediatric research, 
pediatric research generally should be allowed only when such research exposes children to minimal risk. Minimal risk research entails a level of risk in which the degree and likelihood of harm is no greater than that faced by a healthy child in daily life or at a routine physical or psychological examination. Research risk can be greater than minimal only when the research offers the prospect of direct benefit to participants themselves or if a minor increase above minimal risk, when research offers the prospect of benefit to others with the same condition. Except in extraordinary circumstances, asking children to take on greater risk in research when they do not stand to benefit directly pushes the bounds of ethical acceptability because children do not have the legal or ethical capacity to consent, and society has a duty to protect children from risk of harm to which they cannot consent. This view is widely shared, affirmed in leading international guidance documents, and reflected in U.S. law. It continues to serve as the first principle of ethically sound pediatric research around the world today. Development of the Central Tenet of Pediatric Research The four ethical principles that guided the Bioethics Commission's discussion of pediatric research protections are respect for persons, beneficence, and justice, as outlined in the Belmont Report, and democratic deliberation, which was implicit both in the way the National Commission carried out its work and also in its recommendations regarding the process of reviewing and approving pediatric research. Respect for Persons The Belmont Report delineates the principle of respect for persons which recognizes persons as autonomous and capable of deliberating about their personal goals, considering their own choices and opinions, and determining their own lives. Respect for persons also establishes, quote, that persons with diminished autonomy, including children, are entitled to protection, end quote. Some commentators believe that the obligation of protection in the Belmont Report is really a matter of beneficence. However, disregard for the well-being of children also reflects a lack of respect owed to them as young persons. This respect derives in part from the fact that children have and will further develop personal values and goals, as well as the capacity for self-determination to strive and fulfill them. Respect for persons requires that research participants with full decision-making capacity be given the information and the opportunity to consent voluntarily and knowingly to what will happen to them as a result of their participation. 
This imperative is often viewed as deriving from the human capacity for reason and self-determination. Human beings are generally capable of setting their own ends in accordance with their values and priorities and rationally pursuing these ends. Treating others in a way that disregards their human capacity for rationality and self-determination constitutes disrespect for those persons. And when we use people only to pursue the ends or interests of others, in other words, using them as mere means, we fail to respect their human dignity. Coercive uses of research participants, as in the Nazi medical atrocities, provide the most obvious instances of the impermissible treatment of participants as means only. Coercion of adult participants in research is a violation of a participant's autonomy, the rational ability to direct the course of one's own life. To treat people merely as means, to exploit them or use them only to further the interests of others, is not the same as treating people both as means and as ends in themselves. Ethical human subjects research illustrates this distinction. Participation in research that offers a prospect of direct benefit might prove useful to others, while simultaneously advancing the interests of individual research participants. In other instances of scientifically and ethically sound research, adult research participants are well-informed and willing to bear personal risks with no expectation of return in order to benefit others. In these cases, transparency about risks and benefits allows individuals to make their own assessment of whether research participation comports with their personal values and pursuits. Accordingly, Adults who provide their informed consent to participate in otherwise scientifically sound and necessary research are not treated only as means, but also as ends in themselves. Ethical Safeguards in Pediatric Research Informed by Respect for Persons Research with children differs from that with adults because children cannot consent in the relevant sense. They are substantially lacking in the developed capacities necessary for adequately informed and voluntary decision-making, making them a vulnerable population. Although this incapacity is most often attributed to their level of cognitive development, the vulnerability of children can derive from multiple sources, such as expectations of deference to adult authority, lack of independent resources for autonomous decision-making, and long-standing institutionalized relationships of adult authority and power. For this reason, extra protections are warranted to ensure that children are not placed at excessive risk for the benefit of others. 
These additional safeguards include parental permission, meaningful child assent, and limits on the degree of permissible research-related risk. Applied Ethics in Pediatric Research Paternalism constitutes those actions that restrict the freedom of others on the grounds that those actions are the best way to promote or protect their interests. In the case of children, such restrictions are not only justified because children cannot identify and pursue their own interests, but because, quote, such restrictions on a child's freedom guarantee his autonomy in either or both of two ways. These restrictions protect the child from harm that would limit his freedom in the future, being seriously injured, or a lack of education, or these restrictions are what we think the child will later agree to, what he will later see as something he would do in his own interest. End quote. Parental permission. Parental permission requires that parents act on their child's behalf, operating on their understanding of what is in their child's best or essential interests. With this in mind, parents might allow a child to participate in research that offers a prospect of direct benefit precisely because enrollment appears to promote the child's interests. In the context of research that poses no substantial risk to a child's health or well-being, but offers no prospect of direct benefit, some parents will compare short-term risks and benefits. For these parents, research that provides no direct benefit might be out of the question. Other parents might be willing to take on risk for themselves but reluctant to subject their child to any research risk without the prospect of direct benefit. Not knowing what the child will think upon reaching adulthood about having been subjected to risk for the benefit of others without their consent. And still other parents will give greater weight to the study's incremental contribution to long-term scientific or societal endeavors, which might eventually result in medical progress that helps their child or the child's potential offspring, as well as other children. Alternatively, parents might enroll their children in research that poses no substantial risk to their health or well-being to teach them a moral lesson about the value of service to others. Parents of older children might wish to give effect to their developing autonomy by including them in projects to which they assent and which they might later endorse as consistent with their own ethical perspective and interests. Meaningful Child Assent While children are not fully autonomous, they nevertheless have varying capacities to make informed self-regarding choices and express their preferences regarding how they will be treated. Children's partial autonomy affords them a developmentally appropriate ability 
to participate in decisions regarding their involvement in research. Out of respect for this developing ability of children, their assent should be solicited, if possible, and their dissent respected, if applicable. Obtaining the meaningful assent of a capable child is one component of respecting that child as a person. It must not be interpreted, however, either as informed consent or as a substitute for parental permission. Parental permission is absolutely necessary to informed participation in conjunction with meaningful child assent. The fact that children have a developing capacity for autonomy lends significance to a child's meaningful assent or dissent and also establishes a need to protect this capacity for self-determination. The principle of respect for persons permits only those research protocols that preserve and sustain the full development of a child's autonomy such that the current and future aspirations of some children are never unduly compromised merely for the sake of benefiting others. This is accomplished in important part by the final form of protection discussed here, which limits the degree of risk to which children can be exposed in research. Limiting the Degree of Research-Related Risk Placing strict limits on the level of risk acceptable in pediatric research is a third and critically important way to protect children in light of their incomplete autonomy and their inability to consent. Child research participants will one day grow up and reflect on whether they would have consented to participate in the research had they been capable. While parents may exercise legitimate discretion when granting permission for their children to enroll in research, there is no way to know whether all participants, once adults, will endorse the decision retrospectively, even if they provided meaningful assent as children. To reduce the possibility that some participants will look back and think they were unethically used by their parents or researchers, protections should be in place to ensure that participants who reflect on their past research participation will be likely to endorse the ways in which they were protected, if not their own participation. On this view, past participants might later reflect that even if they would not have consented to participate, protections were in place that prevented them from being harmed. Risk limits are essential to combat the potential for exploitation of both children and adults, however unintended such exploitation may be. Because children cannot make an autonomous decision to participate in research from an ethical and legal perspective, Great care must be taken to ensure that research risks are rigorously limited, in particular because research is, in part, always justified on the basis of potential benefit to others, but not necessarily to the children 
who are subject to risks as research subjects. Special efforts must be made to ensure that children are not exploited by permitting greater research risks to children when society stands to benefit in greater measure. The imposition of a rigorous risk ceiling ensures that, no matter how great the potential benefit, child research participants are not exposed to a disrespectful and exploitative level of risk for the interests of others in society. Another reason why it is important to limit the research risks to which children are subjected is that the state does not have the same broad latitude as parents to make risk-laden decisions on behalf of children. There are public obligations to limit both the outer bounds of parental authority so as to prevent negligence and the outer bounds of governmental authority over children so as to prevent the exploitation of individual children for public purposes. One way in which the government defines the outer bounds of its own authority over individual children and respects the future autonomy of children is by limiting the levels of research risk that parents may be asked to accept for their children, especially when that research is above minimal risk and does not directly benefit the child. These risk limits are one of the core protections that children receive, both out of respect for their dignity as persons and to help ensure that they will be able to exercise their own autonomy as adults. Interpreting the Scope of Respect for Persons Given that children are allowed, under clearly delineated circumstances, to participate in research without the prospect of direct benefit, current regulations implicitly reject one particularly restrictive interpretation of the principle of respect for persons. See Current Regulations for Conducting Pediatric Research, Chapter 2. Under this most restrictive interpretation, due to their incapacity to consent, the principle of respect for persons would prohibit all research with children, including even minimal risk research that offers no prospect of direct benefit. Strong consensus in the field of bioethics, including the judgment reflected in the National Commission's position, regards this understanding as overly restrictive. An alternative, widely accepted interpretation of respect for persons allows for the participation of children in research that offers no prospect of direct benefit under certain carefully defined circumstances, even if the research imposes more than minimal risk on pediatric participants, stopping short of posing any substantial risk to the fundamental health or well-being of the research participants. On this widely accepted interpretation, research without the prospect of direct benefit is permissible if it imposes no greater than minimal risk, a level of risk comparable to the risks that healthy children living in a safe environment routinely encounter in everyday life 
or during a routine medical examination, and under certain limited circumstances, a slightly higher but still very limited level of risk, which poses no substantial risk to the participant's health or well-being. The widely accepted interpretation of the principle of respect for persons should be endorsed on the grounds that research protections can help to ensure respect for children by safeguarding their current capacities, guaranteeing their future autonomy by ensuring they are not treated as mere means, and by not subjecting them to undue risk. In addition, this more inclusive interpretation receives support from other relevant moral principles, the principle of beneficence, further addressed in the next section, calls upon society and the research community to advance biomedical knowledge in the interest of the public's welfare. The importance of beneficence in the context of pediatric biomedical research counsels against the most restrictive interpretation of respect for persons and in favor of the widely accepted approach to pediatric ethics as reflected in the National Commission's recommendations and current regulations. All pediatric research must satisfy the ethical principle of respect for persons. This Bioethics Commission articulated a set of conditions under which pediatric research, without the prospect of direct benefit, fully respects and ethically protects children as individuals and as a group. See pre-event studies posing no more than a minor increase over minimal risk, approvable under Section 407, Chapter 3. By treating the interests of child participants as a paramount concern, pediatric research without the prospect of direct benefit can respect and uphold the humanity of participants and refuse to view them as objects merely serving the ends of science or society, provided that the research risks are strictly limited and parental permission and meaningful child assent are obtained. This generally entails permitting research that involves no more than minimal risk, but under certain strictly limited circumstances, permitting a slightly higher than minimal, but still very limited level of risk, provided that the protocol poses no substantial risk to the children's health or well-being. Beneficence. Beneficence, as described in the Belmont Report, is the obligation to undertake efforts to secure the well-being of others. In pediatric research, the duty to safeguard participants by protecting them from harm and undue risk of harm is particularly salient because children have reduced autonomy and cannot legally consent making them a vulnerable population. Beneficence requires that special safeguards be employed to protect vulnerable populations, for example, the requirement of minimal risk or prospect of direct benefit for most pediatric research. This principle provides additional support for the conclusion that some proposed pediatric trials impose excessive risks 
too high to ask parents to consider having their children bear. These studies would involve potential harm that would threaten the basic health or well-being of children who, as research participants, would not stand to directly benefit or be able to offer their own informed consent. The Belmont Report includes under beneficence the corollary principle of non-maleficence or do no harm an obligation not to cause deliberate harm to others. This obligation to minimize the risk of harm from research, especially for children in view of their inability to consent, provides an additional principled foundation for a firm limit to acceptable research risks. Notably, however, there might be cases in which, in order to avoid harm, Research is needed to discover what is harmful. Similarly, to discover what is beneficial might, at times, require exposing some persons to the risk of harm. As stated by the National Commission, quote, the problem posed by these imperatives is to decide when it is justifiable to seek certain benefits despite the risks involved and when the benefits should be foregone because of the risks." End quote. Beneficence is directed not only at individual research participants, but also toward the broader public, seeking to benefit society as a whole. The Belmont Report acknowledged this, stating, quote, the obligations of beneficence affect both individual investigators and society at large because they extend both to particular research projects and to the entire enterprise of research. In the case of scientific research in general, members of the larger society are obliged to recognize the longer-term benefits and risks that may result from the improvement of knowledge and from the development of novel medical psychotherapeutic, and social procedures, end quote. Those who deliberate and consider whether research should proceed ought to take into account the duty, quote, of a society and its government to promote individual activities and institutional practices, including scientific and biomedical research that have great potential to improve the public's well-being, end quote. Beneficence guides the risk-benefit assessment in research. While risk indicates possible harm, benefit refers to the anticipated gains resulting from the research. The Belmont Report offered five considerations for assessing risk-benefit justification in research with all human participants. 1. Brutal or inhumane treatment of human subjects is never morally justified. 2. Risks should be reduced to those necessary to achieve the research objective. Risk can perhaps never be entirely eliminated, but it can often be reduced by careful attention to alternative procedures. 3. When research involves significant risk of serious impairment, review committees should be extraordinarily insistent on the justification 
of the risk, looking usually to the likelihood of benefit to the subject, or in some rare cases, to the manifest voluntariness of the participation. Four, when vulnerable populations are involved in research, the appropriateness of involving them should itself be demonstrated. A number of variables go into such judgments, including the nature and degree of risk, the condition of the particular population involved, and the nature and level of the anticipated benefits. Five, relevant risks and benefits must be thoroughly arrayed in the informed consent process. Two of these considerations are especially applicable to the question before the Bioethics Commission. Two, reducing risk to that necessary to achieve the research objective and to the lowest possible level by considering alternative approaches. And four, justifying the appropriateness of including vulnerable populations, in this case, children. Non-maleficence, which requires us to reduce research risks as far as possible, becomes especially salient when research is planned with children who cannot consent to assume risks on the behalf of others. Beneficence and non-maleficence, similar to respect for children as persons, obligate us to ensure that research risks be necessary and minimized and to employ alternative approaches that might avoid exposing children to risk. For example, using computer and animal models or adult participants who can consent to assume risk on behalf of others. Moreover, risks should be shown to be minimal in the youngest adults through testing them before proceeding with the oldest children. Further, Non-maleficence toward child research participants and beneficence towards participants and toward society as a whole must be jointly considered in determining an acceptable level of risk. In general, research-related risks that are greater than minimal are ethically permissible only if there is a prospect of direct benefit for the child participants or there is the prospect of benefit to the class of children from which the participants are drawn. Justice. The principle of justice reflects the National Commission's commitment to fairness in distribution, or what is deserved. Ethical distribution of research burdens and benefits generally prevents the possibility of asking participants and families to consider bearing too heavy a burden on behalf of society. More specifically, in the conduct of research, justice requires that research participants not be denied a benefit to which they are entitled and that no individual participant be burdened with undue risk of harm or hardship. These obligations can be met by ensuring that all research participants are treated equitably, for instance, by allocating research burdens and benefits according to ethically justifiable criteria. In the case of research with children, moreover, justice 
in combination with respect for persons, beneficence, and non-maleficence requires that children should not bear more risk than absolutely necessary during research, and that risks children undertake during research may be assumed only in order to address research questions that can only be addressed with children. For example, children should not be asked to bear research risks solely to benefit adults. Just distribution of research risks applies not only to the design and conduct of research, but also to subject selection. Even when they are treated equitably, once enrolled in research, children and families might be selected unjustly if they are chosen from certain subgroups of the population that are already excessively burdened by conditions of socioeconomic disadvantage that have made uncommon sacrifices in the course of public service or that have been subject to repeated recruitment for research enrollment. Reviewers and researchers must ensure that all necessary safeguards are in place to avoid exploiting participants when enrolling those who might be vulnerable based on their age, clinical status, marginalization, economic deprivation, or similarly relevant factors. Just as justice requires that similar cases be treated similarly, so too does justice require that we be alert to significant differences. Researchers, therefore, must be cognizant of the potential for exploitation, the ability to take unfair advantage of participant vulnerability. The principle of justice requires, as noted by the National Commission, that researchers adapt their practices to treat cases that differ in morally relevant respects differently. For example, modifying consent or recruitment practices in order to equalize protection from harm for all participants. Once research has concluded, justice requires equitable distribution of benefits that emerge from successful research endeavors. Just distribution takes into account not only such factors as who participated in the research, but also ensures that children are not excluded from receiving benefits on the basis of poverty or other marginalizing factors. Democratic Deliberation Democratic deliberation is a process that seeks to clarify and articulate factual and ethical issues at the core of a debate, to create consensus whenever possible, and to map the terrain of disagreements in a respectful way, when agreement is not immediately attainable, by encouraging reciprocity, respect for persons, transparency, publicity, and accountability. This principle embraces inclusion of community members, individuals and their representatives in meaningful and active participation in an ongoing public exchange of ideas. In research, democratic deliberation is manifest, for example, in community engagement, 
and in various aspects of institutional research review and approval. The National Commission valued the principle of democratic deliberation and honored it both in its approach as well as its recommendations. While studying the matter of research protections for child participants in the 1970s, the National Commission took extensive measures to involve experts, advocates, parents, and other stakeholders. The National Commission invited representatives of professional societies, federal agencies, public interest groups, parents, and other members of the public to present their views at public hearings. In addition to creating an open forum for interested individuals and parties to present their views, the National Commission actively convened a National Minority Conference on Human Experimentation to represent the views of those who might not otherwise be adequately represented. The National Commission reviewed papers and surveyed existing pediatric research practices to inform its public deliberations and develop recommendations for pediatric research. This inclusive approach to its deliberations was evident not only in the National Commission's process, but also in the content of its report, Research Involving Children, which lays out its argument through chapters devoted to each level of its inquiry. These chapters include the various surveys to characterize contemporary research, review, and consent practices, views presented by stakeholders, and discourse by psychology, law, and ethics experts of the day. One recommendation in particular demonstrates the importance of democratic deliberation to the National Commission, not only in its own work, but also in the ongoing review and approval of research with children. Although all pediatric research requires review by an Institutional Review Board, IRB, a form of democratic deliberation, the National Commission recommended that research involving greater than minimal risk with no prospect of direct benefit to healthy children should only be approved after an opportunity for extensive public comment and open deliberation. Because the National Commission considered this category of research approvable only in extraordinary circumstances and as a matter of social exigency, it considered soliciting the input of citizens essential both to inform and legitimate the work. Accordingly, the National Commission recommended that research in this category could only be considered for approval by the secretary of the responsible agency after consultation with a panel of experts and opportunity for public comment. Observing the principles at stake, one, the obligation to protect the community or come to the aid of those within it, and two, the prohibition against unethically using persons who cannot consent 
at considerable risk to their well-being for the common good the national commission stated quote, these principles are of such moment and their observance so basic to a just and humane society that any debate about their application should be held at the most public level of discourse End quote. End of chapter two current ethical and regulatory framework for pediatric research part one recording by patrick mcafee merritt island